Hello and welcome to Stormboy Speaks. On today's program, um, we're going to discuss something called Order from Chaos. This is a concept um, that was put out and is to this day still on a lot of um, coats of arms um, of a lot of elitist groups. The reason it's important is because it's a methodology that's used to control mm, the vast majority of humanity in everyday situations to high level situations. And yet it seems just like a statement that's being made which seems like a very kind of benevolent statement. <clears throat> so on the face of it, it seems as though what this coat of arms is saying, you, you get this, it's called order ab chao in Latin. Um, order from chaos as they're saying, it's important to see that what um, people, of course, in the face of it, are, are going to notice is it seems like they're saying um, there's a state of disorder in the world and we're trying to bring, you know, um, balance to that, which sounds like a very good thing. So we have to analyze what are they really saying there. And, and you know, a lot of the time it's not a matter of good or bad, or it's simply a matter of understanding how they're trying to use this methodology. As I say, what we need to understand in some of these teachings that I'm going to put up now in this particular series of um, social and spiritual teachings is that a lot of the teachings of the mystery schools are um, neither, as we've said before, neither good nor bad. Um, they have, they're applicable in both senses, which is why I always use that analogy of Star Wars and the Sith versus the Jedi it really is what you make of it okay and what you do with that knowledge they know this and this is a good example of what I mean by this so so let's let's get to that <clears throat> so the idea of order from chaos can be originated in reality in the way it's used by these people um, the elites as it were for want of a better term um, in numerous brotherhood groups. Now, the brotherhood groups that have been used throughout history uh, in these people's, uh, um, the elite's teachings, if you like, are simply male-dominant groups uh, that are prevalent from uh, all religions, which all are traceable back to either ancient Egypt or to ancient uh, Jerusalem or ancient Sumeria. And in those places, the different... Um, God rulers uh, from the Anunnaki lineage taught a certain specific group, which I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, some of their knowledge. This knowledge was then passed down to higher lineages, uh, in other words, those that they interbred with, uh, what they called the demigods at the time. And a, a lot of those occupied the priest caste, if you know anything about Hindu uh, religion, you'll know that makes sense because the the priest caste is the highest in the Hindu religion, and that's for a reason because the priest caste is the closest to the gods or the demigods. So that's our start point. So what they're using here in this set of control ideologies is this: it's a principle which is used everywhere today. And it, if you want to understand this in more detail, I suggest you get the book *The Prince*, a very, very, very famous book by. Uh, an incredibly famous um, philosopher, once for better, for want of a better term, um, called Machiavelli. So, <clears throat> Machiavelli's famous uh, quote, if you like, is "The end justifies the means." 
but it goes much, much deeper than that. So one of the most obvious ways in which um, Machiavellian tactics are used can be defined in an example that he gives in the book The Prince, and that is whereby a prince goes into a town, and in this town there are, there are two major factions in the town. Uh, two families. Think of it that way, like in uh, perhaps in, in Romeo and Juliet, for instance. These are warring factions, as was the case in ancient Italy and many other places. So these two warring factions or families um, are at each other's throats. Now this person, the prince who goes in and observes this at first, observe, uh, observes what he, what he sees to be uh, something he can utilize. And he sits back and spends some time observing them. And what he sees is that there's one family that seems slightly weaker and one that seems slightly stronger. So what he does is firstly he goes and he invests his time, money and effort in helping the much weaker side first. He helps them and helps them until they manage to become equal and perhaps slightly more dominant than the other group. At this point he withdraws for a short while lets them continue their struggle, and then backs goes to help the other side who are now struggling more. He gives them his advice and his support, and shows them what they could do with their resources. He then, after some time, they're all grateful, he withdraws again for some time. They then, of course, are at each other's throats again, and this state of chaos occurs again. From this, what he does is, he re-enters the scene one more time, after a period of you know observation, and says, "Look, look, uh, you're back at each other's throats. Uh, there's a, there's some sort of you know real negative stuff throwing you guys off here. Um, it's going to work out a lot better for you. Um, obviously, in a state of peace, I can help you bring that about. You both know me. You both trust me because I've done great work with both of you, made you stronger and better. So they're like, yeah, we, we trust this guy. He's done so, so much good work for both of us. We're like, okay, okay, that works. He comes, I tell you what, what I'll do is I'll stay in the town and I will be the balancing coordinator, if you like, between the two of you to make sure that everything is fairly done. As you know me and you know I'm fair and you know I've helped you both. And they both sit back and think, oh, that's a great idea. Of course, yes, it's better if you will kind of liaise between us and take care of things. So, of course, he does this becoming the controller and the ruler, in effect, of this whole town and its two warring factions. Whilst playing the role of benefactor to both, he is, in fact, simply the ruling, overarching controller of them all. Now, this is in fact, of course, order that he has brought to their state from what was apparently a state of chaos. Not as benevolent as it first seems, is it? Now, what's interesting about this is that this is prevalent not only just in the way in which humanity is uh, ordered about by the elites in general and used by them, but actually within their own factions. It can be seen in all brotherhood groups themselves, with the likes of the Masons, the Templars, um, in, in Muslim culture, the Assassins, um, and the Shiites and Sunnis, right? As well as in Hindu culture also. What has happened in those instances is, to use an example, so, for instance, in the Masonic uh, 
brotherhood groups. There are many, many Masonic factions, many. Two of the biggest uh, players are the Scottish Rite and the English Rite. Now, the Scottish Rite were backed way back in time by the Tudor kings of England who had um, an official right to the throne. This was kind of um, became a problem at the time because they were against at that time the English right who were backed ironically by the Hanoverian German kings. Now the Hanoverian German kings are actually the, uh, or should I say, our royal family are the direct descendants of the Hanoverian German kings. They are German, they are Hanoverian, and that's where they come from. They usurped the throne from the Tudors. It isn't really theirs by right. Um, please do your homework and find this out for yourselves. However, <clears throat> the point being in question here is what we had set up is this, again, structure where you have these two brotherhood groups against each other. You think, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why would they do that? And this, we can do the same with uh, knights groups who, of course, are involved with the Templars, um, sorry, such as the Templars and the Knights Hospitaller, the Hospitallers. They were two um, knights groups in Jerusalem who were fighting for rights of that particular place and uh, mystery school knowledge in that particular place, again. Um, which they had that knowledge handed down to them by, you know, well, that's it's a, by a number of people. But what you see is that then, over time, the um, the uh, Templar Knights became associated with the Scottish Rite, and over time, the um, the Hospitallers are associated with the English. Now, what happens is that. Again, they were at war for a while, for a long time, always at each other's throats. And, and, and the point here is, these are all brotherhood groups. They have essentially the same information. The same with the Shiites and Sunnis. They have essentially the same information, i.e. they worship the same gods. They worship what they think are the same gods, as it were. Their information is passed down to them through the mystery school network from the ancient places of Egypt and Jerusalem. So in Jerusalem, of course, we have the Kabbalistic school. Um, and of course, in Egypt, you have you know the ancient mystery school of Egypt, which uh, Jesus is alleged to have gone to. But the likes of Moses definitely went there. And... Um, Plato and Pythagoras undoubtedly went there also. So they learnt that knowledge from those mystery schools. They were brotherhood initiates. Now, that means they had that knowledge which was passed down from the priest lineages connected to the gods, for want of a better word, right? This secret knowledge which they kept for a small group of people, as I said, that were related to them initially and then over time who were in particular positions of power and it was given to them slowly over time. Now, so how come then these groups that have this not all the same knowledge in slightly different variations are fighting each other? Well, that's because they are taught at the point of reference. Where, let's say if you have the Scottish right, they will be inherently given slightly different information than the English right and they will be encouraged to disagree with their brethren of the opposing um, right for obvious reasons. Now, what they don't realize is that their opposition to the other school of thought, and the same with the hospitalers and the, um, and the um, uh, Knights Templar, 
at each other's throats, the same with the Sunni and the Shiites, the same with numerous other groups, um, is that that's been done on purpose. And it has been done on purpose at the level of the, um, of the priests and the high-level uh, initiated priests who are, as it were, closest to this idea of the, um, of the ruling gods and their, close, their highest lineages. Because if they do that, they are then essentially controlling these brotherhood groups. Why and how are they doing that? Why would they want to do that, you ask? So first of all, we know that they want to control the masses. It's a given, right? Okay. They want to tell them what to do, so we know that they use these divide-and-conquer tactics with the masses. They use this order out of chaos. We'll do you a favor. Look at us. We'll come to your warring town and do you a favor. Great. But they're doing it within their own brotherhood groups here, as you can see. And most of these people who are in these groups are utterly oblivious to this. And they are sworn completely to their own specific right um, and just don't seem to get the fact that that's what's happening to them. Now, the reason for this is a very simple one. If you think about it, if these same people who were initiated and given this knowledge back in the day, let's say in the first groups, the Brotherhood of the Snake, which is still going, but um, and they drew away and said, right, well, we've been taught all these, these things. You know, just like, let's say, the Jedi turned away, pulled away, and, and the Sith, let's say they all went together, and they went, well, we've learnt your knowledge now, and um, we're going to keep it for ourselves. I'm going to kind of just adapt it ourselves and go and do our things. Then they don't need the prince, right, from the order from chaos, from the Machiavellian ideology anymore. They don't need that person, right, which of course in reality they don't. So how does he keep them? Well, he just makes sure at the point of inception of the ideas that one group has a slightly different perception than another group. And he gives them a label, whether it be the Hospitallers or the Knights Templar, whatever, doesn't matter, right? Different badge, different label, different area of town. I mean, we're talking about elite people here, not the hoi polloi. And what he does is he gives them this perception. They then own that ideology and all the bits, the regalia, they love it, don't they? They love the badges and all the rest of it, right? Which puts them as, let's say, uh, the Maltese Cross, if you're the Knights of Malta, all the rest of it. Those things are simply specifically for one group to keep them against their brothers, as it were, other brotherhood groups, so they don't all pull together and pull away from them. And they can maintain that control over you and maintain your, uh, your, your worship, as it were, and your following for the high priest lineages and ultimately the gods. Um, and, and, you know, we'll talk about that on a deeper level another time. But they can maintain that control and that worship over those groups by having them constantly at each other's throats or negative to each other on a number of points, let's say. It's divide and conquer 101, I hear you cry, absolutely it is, and yet it's being played against the very elites themselves who put it on the masses, and often, like I say, they don't see this. They really are oblivious, which is ironic to say the least. One of the biggest places in which, of course, this was brought about was when the um, elites had a panic during the, the time of, the, um, of, of the, the witch hunts and, of course, the uh, Spanish Inquisition, because at that time what happened was they were very afraid that the mystical knowledge had not just got out, was not just in blood brotherhood lineages that they had 
kind of created and kept control of through divide and conquer order from chaos but um it was also starting to get out into the populace through the likes of certain magical practices, certain what were known as pagan practices, which I've mentioned before. Pagan practices was just a label they used to cover the mystery school knowledge which had got out into the mainstream. Meanwhile, they sold humanity, the rest of the hoi polloi, the average person in the street, who didn't know about any of these things, who is to this day called, of course, by them, the walking dead, because they know nothing and it's not without reason that they put series out on TV they're hiding it in plain sight calling you that the walking dead so think about it next time you see it um, the point is that during those times when they had their Spanish Inquisition they needed a way to to rope back all that information that got out to the populace at the time you had numerous uh, you know, old ladies and, and kind of maguses and, you know, magicians around, like uh, you hear the stories of, um, you know, King Arthur and all the rest of it. That, those stories are based on reality, where those, those magicians and people of the time had much more knowledge because it hadn't been scared out of, if you want to look at it that way. Um, so you had the Brotherhood groups, they had it. You had the high priest lineages, they had it. And now you had these, all these people running around in these other, in the villages who, you know, all go and see this witch, go and see that, the good witch, whatever, the magician, or the bad witch for that matter, all the same. Like I say, it's, um, you know, they're, they're two sides to everything. So this was out there in the mainstream. They had to rewind it. What did they do? They simply used the genius idea, which was to say, if you had any of this knowledge, you were a witch and must be burnt. And of course, the only other people who had the knowledge, other than these people out, I mean, overtly in public situations, was, of course, um, the only other people who had it were um, the priests themselves, uh, especially the Catholic priests in this instance in the Vatican, um, and any other high-level uh, brotherhood groups who, of course, kept it very secret because that was amongst their biggest ideologies, was to keep it secret. In fact, Thoth himself, who was the head of these schools, a god, a son of Enki, and known as Hermes Trismegistus also. Um, to this day, uh, his symbol is on all medical practitioners' places with the caduceus of the two snakes and the rod. Yes, that is the symbol of Thoth. Um, and his teachings were kept secret for those people in their high places, but they'd got out and so by them putting out this obviously this great idea oh you know about it right burn them you know if you if you float you you're uh, you're you're a, you're a witch and if you um if you drown you're innocent <laughs> so both ways you're dead okay and that's it's perfect it's genius and so that way with that way one of the most hideous crimes ever perpetrated on humanity they destroyed at least 90 percent of occult knowledge which was outside of their grasp from the mystery schools order out of chaos again right um and again this is kind of left us where we are today with all we have left are the brotherhood groups the mainstream um, religion which of course is just a watered down version which doesn't really give you any mystery school knowledge hardly at all um, and of course you know the high level religions which keep it underground um, like Solomon's Temple ideas um, which of course is totally associated with Christianity and and you know 
the Catholic Church and the like, and yet contains huge mystery, no, mystery school knowledges, um, massive, uh, to do with Kabbalah, obviously. So I hope you can see from this that that is the way in which order from chaos has been used, not only against the average man in the street or to control him, but to control the powers that be. And anybody who's involved in, in brotherhood groups or anything like this needs to kind of pay attention to that. The thing they don't want, the thing above all things they don't want, is you uh, to have individual control, to you to have uh, a separate sense of um, non-controllable um, strength, power, and, and kind of your, your sense of individuality. They, they don't want that. They need you to be controlled so that they are constantly in power. This is the way things have run, and it's changing. And uh, so please, you know, tell anybody else about this. Don't take my word for it. Have a look at the book, The Prince, by all means, by Machiavelli. It is pretty much the book, the go-to book, for most controlling, business-minded, and... Um, military-minded people still to this day, uh, even though it was written a long time ago. I hope that's been informative, and until next time, as always, I wish you truth, freedom, and balance.